0: This is your way home. We go back? Hmm. Back? Yeah. I thought you weren't insane anymore.
1: What are they saying? He wants to go back from where they came. Citadel. What's there to find at the Citadel? Green. And water.
0: There's a ridiculous amount of clear water. And a lot of crops It's got everything you need As long as you're not afraid of heights
1: Where does the water come from?
0: He pumps it up from deep in the earth Calls it
1: Aquacola and claims it all for himself And because he owns it, he owns all of us I don't like him already It'll take two weeks to skirt the wall of mountains No,
0: I suggest we go back the same way we came Through the canyon It's open, we know that, right? He brought all his war parties through so we take the war rig and we charge it right through the middle of them. We can decouple the tanker at the pass, shut it off behind us. Couple. <laughs> <laughs>
1: and how exactly do we take the citadel? Assuming we're still alive by then. If we can block the pass, it'll be easy. All that's left are his war pups, and war boys too sick to fight. And we'll be with Nox. He's a war boy. He'll be bringing
0: us home, bringing back what's stolen, as he's meant to. Yeah. Feels like hope.
1: I like this plan. We can start again. Just like the old days. Look. It'll be a hard day. But I guarantee you that 160 days ride that way. There's nothing but salt. least that way, you know, we might be able to, together, come across some kind of redemption. Welcome to Trilogy in Theory. My name is Webb and this is my co-host Mike and we are wrapping up yet another trilogy with the 2015 boy I'm shocked that I lived long enough to experience a movie that had this kind of an impact. We're talking Mad Max Fury Road. I am shocked. It's been 10 years almost uh, since this movie came out and people really do look at it as one of the greatest of all time. And, and I'm surprised, you know, uh, I know, I think Dark Knight might be the only other one that really uh, felt like it had a bit of an impact. But wow, what can we say about Mad Max Fury Road that hasn't already been said in Blood, Sweat and Chrome, Mike, the the book? that chronicles the making of uh, you know what before we start on this are you a mad max fan did you watch any of the other three no
0: <laughs> okay <laughs> no i don't i mean that sounds really negative i watched the road warrior and maybe you know just mad max proper i, I didn't even realize until uh reading the the book on fury road that uh, <laughs> the road warrior wasn't even like the official title uh just because i guess you know stateside they had they weren't they had not been exposed to mad max yet uh, i've never seen beyond thunderdome um and i don't know if because i watched these when i was a teenager like vhs tapes um just because i'm like heard they were cool and i don't even know why because that wouldn't have been internet influence or maybe they just appealed cool to me but beyond thunderdome did not <laughs> appear cool <laughs> to me also i always avoided it um and you can speak is that one is that good am i mistaken by cheesy box art there or i'm happy to report
1: that like you i've never seen beyond thunderdome oh yeah, okay all right it's very much the godfather 3 i think uh where i was like i don't ever need to see this and the only reason i've seen it godfather 3 is because we recorded on it for trilogy and theory uh, otherwise, I never would have even bothered, but here we go, putting
0: it right alongside Melissa McCarthy uh and Ghostbusters, so which i I think that some horrible people on the, innocent, the internet those denizens would uh would agree with, which is to say that i I remember enjoying uh those movies, but I like did not give a shit if they made another Mad Max movie uh I know nothing about the supposed mythology or whatever I just saw it as the man with no name in Australia. That's, that's it. Like, <laughs> yeah. you know, he just shows up for an adventure and that's that. So, um, yeah, this long like gestation for this to like come to the screen. Uh, I would not have cared a whit if this had been canceled beforehand. Like, you know, i been like, hey, if they can do it, that might be cool. If not, whatever. I, I don't need another Mad Max in my life. I would say the same now. I know there's been talk of doing one of uh Furiosa, like a prequel, and I don't really care, like I mean it could be cool,'t know <laughs> it's just I just sort of take it as a, as it lays with Mad Max. If they bring out another one, I'll check it out. so no, I would not say I'm a fan, uh, but I've liked what I've
1: seen other than beyond Thunderdome, which I have not. I didn't really like the first one; it felt very serious. And uh, it just wasn't for me. Uh, I know there. It's got. It's called following. Uh, I like the Road Warrior, uh, not as much as some of the diehards. But I was like, oh, this is cool. This is much cooler than the first film. And then, yeah, Beyond Thunderdome, no interest. So when this one came out, I legitimately was debating. I was like, do I watch Fury Road or do I go to Pitch Perfect two? I really like Pitch Perfect one. <laughs> <You know? laughs> I was opening weekend for both movies. <laughs> I was really debating. Um, I got bullied into Free Road, by the
0: way. Well, I, I mean, I guess that was a good thing. I don't remember much caring for Pitch Perfect, uh, any of the sequels. I, I was a fan of the, of the first one for sure. So it's interesting you you brought up like that. You got to live long enough to see, you know, a film of this, I guess, import. Um, and I, I do agree with you because I'm I'm a big proponent of the Dark Knight. Not even that the, the Dark Knight is like my favorite Batman movie. I just I've lived long enough now to see people sort of dismiss it like, oh, this, this is truly like, you know, the new dark Knight, or the, and I'm like, you know, that was probably once in a decade kind of like mania yeah. for that. Like if you were, I remember being a kid for Tim Burton's Batman and I got to see like people just freaking the fuck out that, that, you know, Batman was on the screen. It was something that people of all sort of demographics ages would see like, um, you know, my dad went to see The Dark Knight, and I, I don't even know if he watched The Dark Knight Rises. Like, I think he just felt <laughs> like, oh, everyone's talking about The Dark Knight, I need to see it. It's not that he was following the adventures of Batman; it was just that was the movie to see. I don't feel that way about Fury Road, mm. in the sense that I don't think your average person looks at this is like oh i remember where i was that summer when i saw Free Road. I'm pretty named Skippy more people probably were like i remember watching pitch perfect 2 and it sucked. <laughs> like i bet you more people did choose to see that instead. Um and i before you know any of our listeners in the first 6 months of the show jump all over me. Um i understand its critical importance and and watching it again and do you know this is the first time i've watched it since theaters? Like Whoa. i've never Never sit down. I know you and I differ on that. And I think I'm <laughs> I think I'm justified in my actions because I remember that summer thinking, like, yeah, for your for your road's really good. But I did not want to revisit it for some reason, and I watched it again at home, years later now for this podcast, blown away, and I'm like, Jesus Christ, like I can't believe this thing exists. I can't believe they filmed this. I can't believe I'm watching it on my television at home. I can't believe it. How did they make this happen? Do I want to watch it again? No, not really. Like, it's like one of those things where I only want to sit down for it for the full experience of it. When I, like i'm not distracted i I won't watch this by taking like one piece of it out i won't watch a sequence of it i won't like if it was on the old days of like on cable i was like oh i can just stop and watch the rest of your road i just won't i guess i just don't treat it as such if i'm in the mood i'm gonna be all in on this this experience or or not at all so that's that's like I i think it's like a five star perfect movie but it's not one that i want to just like watch scenes of if that makes sense or just watch over and over i just want to sort of treat it as like a sort of special presentation
1: oh no i i, I would absolutely say that that's completely understandable i you know put it in right up there with stuff like schindler's list like you're not just gonna happen upon it <laughs> and watch a favorite scene i get it but that almost
0: that's exactly <laughs> same same <laughs> i get the same feeling same emotion yeah
1: everything but... That that might be a higher compliment though to it, you know. People look at Dark Knight and be like, "Oh, you know what? I just want to watch the the tunnel escape sequence or whatever." With Mad Max Fury mm-hmm. Road, it very much is uh, a a different kind of movie. It has a different kind of pacing, a different kind of look than kind of anything else out there, even even right now. I, I can't equate it to anything. I know John Wick kind of took the the action. Uh, genre by storm but even then i'm like eh, these things are getting pumped out every few years and eh. i think you can you can dip out of those movies too your attention can
0: lapse and i I feel like fury road is constantly like pummeling you in the face (laughs) like you, you you're always aware of what's coming out of the screen in front of you uh my, my wife – this is one of her least favorite theatrical experiences, Whoa. and I, it was totally my fault. I agree with her um, because we we went to see this at a uh, – it's a theater It's now closed and, and moved to, to a bigger place. But it was – they had uh, remodeled like an older theater to serve food and alcohol, and it was the first one in our city that was kind of trying to do the like Alamo Draft house kind of thing. And I loved going there. I, 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 you know, you can get, I can get my alcohol, Uh, but I think we went, um, because of work schedule. I want to see it as soon as possible, but it wasn't until like Saturday morning. And so we're we're eating like pancakes (laughs) at like a a. 9am screening of Fury Road. (laughs) And she was like... This is horrible. <laughs> Get this fucking movie out of my face. It's too early for this. Why is there a guy playing guitar and flame shooting out of it? Like Jesus Christ. Like... <laughs> and in fairness, I don't think she would have been up for pitch perfect two that early in the morning to have you know, Anna Kendrick caterwauling in her direction. But she came out and said that we will never do that again. <laughs> I'm never eating breakfast and watching one of your stupid movies.
1: <laughs> if you told me, like, prepare a meal that encompasses the Fury Road pancakes wouldn't even enter my mind. <laughs> that, is, that is fascinating. Um, and I'm surprised that you didn't give it another chance. Like, let me try to watch this sans pancakes and see if it makes the experience any better. That I mean that's true, but I still thought like, man, that was that was great,
0: wasn't it? And she was like, How <laughs> I think she thought of me as some sort of sociopath, like, how are you just cutting up your pancakes just watching <laughs> <laughs> watching this insanity? <laughs> a giant scream in from us. But it still worked. I will say that my viewing alone at home was probably better because I was I was more focused, but um yeah, so that that ruined uh breakfast in a movie forever. Thank you for that legacy, George Miller <laughs> and the uh, Deniston household. <laughs>
1: It's very fitting that you guys are eating pancakes because uh, one of the people working on the movie was doing a charity where I think he was giving away like waffle makers, uh, you know, a little thing, little tidbits of trivia uh, from Blood, Sweat and Chrome, which we both went through a great, great book. Uh, it, it reads very differently than uh, any other. Like, it's not just a making of it's like interviews. Uh, with the individual. So it has a very different flow to it. Um And like you said in the beginning, can't believe this thing made it. Can't believe this thing was put together. Uh, the, the the decades of work that had to be put in to have this on screen and make sense. I mean, this is a film where at one point, George Miller was like, maybe M&M for Mad Max. Maybe m M&M m will be a good choice, <laughs> uh, which... Oh, I'm, oh, sir. I'm, and you know what? It's funny that the reason Eminem was like, I don't really want to leave Michigan. If you could film Mad Max in Michigan, <laughs> another wasteland with no clean water, <laughs> by the way, <laughs> I'm glad that it worked. It's like, Miller, I'm living it, buddy. <laughs> Come over here. Right. And <laughs> Miller's like, that's a little too real for me. And I'm glad that that didn't happen. Uh, the. The combative relationship between Tom Hardy and Charlize Theron was uh, fascinating to read because maybe this was Tom Hardy's like uh, you know kind of his like method uh, like he's like I'm gonna bring the method out of uh, Charlize because uh, apparently they were ve- very, very they were very tense uh, tensions uh, mirroring their characters uh, relationship you know um, and, and to the point where towards the end of the shoot. Uh, they were more buddy buddy to the point where, like, even the other cast members and the other the crew was like, D- "Did somebody give them drugs?" They're they're really getting along. So, yeah, all of that, all of that, really kind of uh, you see it. The amount of work that even the war boys, the stunt people, had to go through and not method act, but come up with backstories for their characters. And I know we don't see any of that on screen but we kind of do through their performance we don't see the the meticulous work that they did and how they how how deep they got into their characters but clearly the end result is something unlike anything else and and so i mean Uh, Jiminy Christmas like uh, uh, there is something to this I'm not saying every movie needs to go through this process but I guess if you want to leave a little bit of a footprint you kind of do this movie didn't even make it's it's money back I think I think it still lost like 30 40 million dollars.
0: Yeah, that's that's where the difference between something like uh, Dark Knight, um and I don't know, what would you go before that, like Titanic, the end of the nineties, that had that sort of cultural impact that's like, well everybody's seen that and um I I I'll halfway agree with him. I think if you're into films, yeah, this will be one easily you will see fifty years from now. It it will be mentioned in and John Wick will not, you know. John Wick far more successful action franchise. But this is the one that will future generations, like you know, the, the teenager I was, I was like, Oh, for some reason I think the Road Warrior's cool. I don't know, like I don't have people shoving it down my throat, but it's like I'm gonna check this out. This this will be checked out and will be beloved, you know, many
1: years down the road. One thing I will say, you mentioned Titanic. Not only made its money but left a, a cultural impact. So everybody saw it. But people still talk about it. people still talk about Titanic. Yes. Yeah. The only time Avatar is ever mentioned is those think pieces about why Avatar isn't mentioned. Like, (laughs) you know, (laughs) like Avatar 2 came out. Yes. And the same thing happened. Everybody apparently went to go see it. (laughs) Nobody's talking about it.
0: (laughs) No one gives a shit. Like, you know, it is one of those things I, I wonder if they shouldn't bring out the sequels close together. Because I think if people remember being like, eh. I don't know. I just don't really care. <laughs> Whereas, if you wait a decade, you're like, "What? I think I cared. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I think I had a good time with it." James Cameron needs to space it out. Yeah, those Avatar, Avatar movies—they they suck. They just flat. Out. I mean, they're just—you you can, you know, just make cutscenes for video games. That's that's essentially what what you're making. I just I, th- there's not one character in there that i'm like oh are they gonna are they gonna make a, a prequel uh about uh this you know <laughs> blue dolphin or whatever <laughs> they are like that... <laughs> like no 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 one cares whereas furiosa if someone just dropped that that name or like uh compared themselves furiosa i would be like oh they're they they're in a mood today i i get what they're going for i get the aesthetic and the attitude they're going for i i have no idea what's going on in avatar they now. Uh, the other thing. The, the dude that they tried. To, is it another Australian that they tried to make happen over here in the States and we rejected? And
1: Sam Worthington? Yeah. Now I, I sat through Man on a Ledge.
0: Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> I think I did too. And correct me if I'm wrong, was that the first film with the original uh, Girl with the Dragon Tattoo? Was that her first Like uh, after that? I, I felt like I was watching for her. And not so much uh, Sam Worthington. Oh, you mean,
1: like, first film after Girl (laughs) with a Dragon Tattoo? After Girl with Dragon
0: Tattoo, yeah, after, like, um... But, yeah, um... (laughs) <laughs> this, I wonder if this will make the cut because it's like we have the opportunity to talk about Mad Max Fury Road, and you're like, let's go into Man on a Ledge and how much it sucked. <laughs> so it kind of makes the case that's like, okay, Mad Max probably had some impact because you're mentioning Man on the Ledge, which I'd seen, and I'm like, is that one woman in it? Because I think that's the only reason.
1: That well, the thing it. is, it's, it's tricky because the the journey to Fury Road has been so well documented uh, it, it seems like we all agree on some level yes this is good this is a good movie uh, I, I think it, it, for, for many of us it's, it's much better than that I will say I am one of those people who like I, I revisit it uh, probably annually, to be completely honest with you, I, I think it really is that good. Um, I do wonder about the you know the auteur theory because it seems like everybody was like, "What are you doing, George Miller?" Uh, Tom Hardy apologized to George Miller at the Cannes Film Festival after their screening when everybody was like, "This is this is next level," and Tom Hardy was like, "Oh, oh, that's what you were making," and I was yelling at you over the course of six seven months in a desert. <laughs> yeah that was
0: what was most interesting about reading, um, blood, sweat and Chrome is that, uh, a lot of the secondary characters, uh, talked about how collaborative the process was like the, um, you know, the, the girls that are escaping, uh, this enslavement, um, kind of came up with their own, um, vibe, their own dichotomy as far as a group, like, you know, who would fill in this sort of role, uh, as like a friend or sort of sister type thing. um, and you had you talked about the War Boys like they had their this whole history to them. When really I think your probably your average viewer would be like, oh, there's another bald pale freak like <laughs> coming to like kill somebody. <laughs> like they're just they're just the antagonists. They're just chasing our our heroes. Uh, but yeah, Hardy and Throne did not. They didn't seem feel it. They felt like they weren't getting anything yeah. as far as like what what am I what am I doing here? And it was it was interesting that split where there was such great care given to the secondary players and the two leads were sort of at a loss as far as to, do I even have a place here or am I, am I just a face that you're putting up? I I thought that split uh, was interesting. And, you know, as someone who's very much like eat the rich, I was like, good for you, George Miller. Like, take your movie stars and be like, just stand there and look pretty. That's all you're capable of. That's <laughs> that's, that's really how you, you make your, your green bucks. So just shut up and be quiet. Um, but it is, you know, the unfortunate thing I took from the book was that, it just takes so long for this dude to like make movies. I think I would rather him make more and have some some one off bad ones. I, and I also hate that he was derailed for the better part of a decade with animation, which means nothing to me. Like I <laughs> like I am not. I don't care how much I like Fear Road. I've not doubled back being like oh happy feet one and two. I should I should add that to my letterbox to count. No. <laughs> So I feel like we lost a good amount of George Miller to penguins dancing and singing.
1: Well, one of the things I will also mention is Tarantino's reaction to it was very fanboyish, where he's like, "It's not, it, it doesn't have Mel Gibson in it? Well, then I'm not watching it. Then it's not Mad Max to me. And then years later, somebody's like, hey, did you catch up with it? He's like, oh, oh yeah, 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 that's a masterpiece. And then he moved on real quick. I was like, <laughs> are, are we going to... We're going to have a chapter in cinema speculation. Didn't want to put that in. Yeah. Yeah. Where's that at, buddy? Uh, <laughs> Eat a little crow for Right. <laughs> Let's get into the kind of the feminist aspect of this movie, which ties right into kind of our theme this month, which was women in power yes. yeah. and on the road. We've got Thelma and Louise. We've got the gang from uh, Death Proof, uh, Abernathy, Kim, and Zoe Bell. And then we've got Furiosa. So we've got... A movie with one strong female lead. We've got one with two and we've got one with three. Kind of interesting. Any of these uh, women uh, have... Any... Okay, how about this? Which of these films has had a bigger impact on you in terms of their uh, their leads? Do you like Thelma and Louise? Do you do you, uh, relate to the gang from Death Proof? Is Furiosa that tentpole feminist icon in, in film? Like... Or do you not have any reaction to them?
0: Um, I, I'm going to start a fight with you here. And I would say that for me, Mad Max Fear Road is by far the least effective at that that particular theme. And I say this because uh, too many men embrace Fear Road and thought it was the coolest <laughs> shit ever. Death Proof was divisive. You even have your own filmmaker being like, yeah, you know, so I made a, I made a bad movie, but it's not that bad. Right. He's even apologizing for it. And then Thelma and Louise, as we talked about that episode, actually like scared newspapers when newspapers existed, like should women have access to guns (laughs) in a fictional narrative (laughs) or will that cause real women (laughs) to pick up a gun (laughs) and shoot their ugly idiot husbands? Um, I think that Thelma and Louise had the most cultural impact on that particular theme. I think that Mad Max free road has the possibility of inspiring future artists to think a little bit differently about how they portray female characters, especially the damsels in distress sort of motif that we have here. Um, because all Mad Max really does is collect more strong women on his way and then they, they take back their lives and their land in the city them, themselves. Like it's that's he's just that was part of that what was interesting is there were some complaints that the uh you know, back in twenty fifteen, some podcasters I know who I mean like almost immediately double-backed on their negative reviews because I remember a pretty often complaint was hey this is a Mad Max movie where's Mad Max how come he's not the driving force of this how come he's literally like tied to the <laughs> the front bumper of a vehicle uh chained up with a mask on his face and uh yeah I think that it may inspire future artists more than um Thelma and Louise, and certainly Death Proof. I'd say Death Proof probably have, will have minimal uh, impact, but I think of those three, Thelma and Louise had the most real-life, I don't want to say consequences, but the, it encouraged more real-life discussion about women in film and what what we would consider boring if a man was doing it is suddenly scary if a woman is in that very same, same part. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go ahead and shock you, and
1: I, I completely agree with you. I think that no. Yeah, okay. I think that Fury Road. I think it has those themes, uh, but I think it does them quietly. Uh, whether that's good or bad, you're right. I agree. Like that. Uh, uh, yes, more men. I think uh, probably welcome Fury Road with open arms because of the like vehicular mayhem and and all the other violence and and cool shit that's happening. The feminist angle and even you know one of the things that one of the essays that I read about the Furiosa character is kind of the uh, the Bowie-esque androgyny of the character. Like, she's not sexualized in any way, and I think that's great. Uh, Low-key, she's handicapped. She doesn't have an arm. I think that's also quite awesome. And so it doesn't cause attention to itself. Uh, uh, It doesn't try to pat its uh, back, you know, its own back. Like, look at all the things that we're doing. And so that's kind of neat, but at the same time, Thelma and Louise, you're right. It, It... it grabbed the world by the neck and was just like, hey, look at this. Take a look at what we're doing. Um, and even it, you can see with the villains of the films, with Elman Louise – men in general are kind of the villain. Now uh, you've got the rapist, you've got the husband, you've got Brad Pitt, the thief, uh, death proof. You've got Mike as the villain, not you, Mike, it's not man, Mike, uh, using, using women as, as kind of a sexual release, almost, uh, uh taking out his frustrations of his own, uh, uh you know, time that's, it's kind of, the, the, the bygone era, that he's no longer relevant anymore. And with Furiosa, so you've got Immortan Joe using women as things. You know, that's very clear, as it's like <laughs> written on a giant wall towards the beginning of the film. Like, okay, we know where this is going. So, uh, Thelma and Louise tackles a lot more than the other films. And, you know, that that's fine. It's not like we have to have our, our genre films giving us messages. You know, we, we don't need to be taught things, but it's a nice one,
0: baby. I, th- I thought you were gonna say that's fine if you don't want to be on the sight and sound list <laughs> uh, for the next <laughs> <laughs> century, like Mad Max Fury You're Road. Right. If you want to do that, <laughs> no one's gonna watch your little picture 50 years from now, but okay, you had your time, Thelma, Louise, Ridley Scott. Um, I don't, uh, can you think of when we discussed Thelma and Louise, we we kind of talked about how. It didn't have the uh, impact in cinema as far as we didn't suddenly get a great decade of women in lead parts, and especially in like the action subgenre. Um, can you think of a movie that has had maybe that sort of uh, controversy of Thelma and Louise uh, with that aspect? Of, you know, maybe not Fury Road, but. Um, has there been one that has uh, caused people to go to their you know feigning couches because uh, women are are doing shit that only we've seen men
1: uh, able to do and aren't? The one that immediately pops to mind is bridesmaids. It's like, oh, women can poop and be gross. Okay, so I, I'll give it up All for right. that one. I like that.
0: Okay. You know, that's one we've kicked around to feature on a Trilogy, and we've never pulled the the trigger on. Um that's a, that's actually a really good pull. I would not have thought of that in comparison to Thelma and Louise, but you're absolutely right in the comedy field. It did have that sort of like I remember people I worked with being like, "Oh my god, the sequence where they like was <laughs> McCarthy in the sink, like, yeah. Um yeah, I don't I don't know <laughs> I don't know if Susan Sarandon and Gene Davis would like their legacy <laughs> to be my <Maya laughs> Rudolph shitting in the street. <laughs> but you know what? I put those two movies side by side. Great works of art, as is Fury Road and Death Proof 2, QT, good God, uh, this was this was a month uh, that it was just sort of a victory lap. I think for us that were like I knew going into it that it was going to be interesting, and uh, I was going to get to rewatch stuff uh, that I found very entertaining. And Thelma and Louise, I'll freely admit, was not one of them. But I'm glad that I did because it's the first time I watched it was like adult eyes and not just as a dumb teenager who's like i hear this is the one where the the hen house goes crazy and right. <laughs> put them back in their place <laughs> how did harvey Keitel f-
1: fail at his job
0: so so poorly <laughs> i i'm
1: very thankful for this uh trilogy i was able to kind of reevaluate delman luis as as more than just like a, eh, one of ridley's lower films. i really thought that because I, I really didn't appreciate uh, like the impact it had, the, the the themes that it was talking about. So I'm so happy that I revisited it here. Death Proof has shot up on my list of favorite Tarantino films. Like I just had a brilliant experience, and it also helped that my wife. I was I was I came into it being like I don't know if you're gonna like this. She's like yeah, why not. And now she's like, give me more death, more fine, more things like Death Proof. And I was like, I'm trying, baby, I'm trying. There's not that much out there. Bridesmaids. (laughs) (laughs) Right. (laughs) (laughs) And, And with Fury Road, while my opinion didn't really change, I still think it's wonderful. I'm glad that I was able to read uh, Blood, Sweat, and Chrome uh, to kind of appreciate uh, the the technical aspects of the film even more so. And kind of the hell that George Miller went through in order just to get it made. And the obstacles of writer's strike, uh, Mel Gibson going crazy, all the things that were not in his control that he still overcame. Him and everybody else. It's not, I know, you know, the, when, like the quarterback, like too much praise when it's successful and, and too much blame when it's not. So, uh, uh no, a wonderful, wonderful trilogy with three, uh, really, 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 uh, fascinating and, and excellent, excellent films.